0: So, Acts 2, 14 through 21. Acts 2, 14 through 21. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all, the, all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. These are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass, That whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Shall we pray? Our Father, we are thankful for this passage of your word. It is so full of truth, it is so full of prophecy, it is so full of important news that the church needs, even the church today, though it is an event that has come and gone in. The history of redemption and oh lord may what we learn help us help us lord to prepare ourselves to prepare ourselves for your coming in jesus name amen now the chapter that we have been looking at since two weeks now back Chapter 2 starts by describing the coming of the Holy Spirit on the 120 disciples of the Lord that were gathered in the upper room. I'm going to read uh, 5 through 8 as well of Acts 2. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews devout men out of every nation under heaven and when this was noise abroad the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language and they were all amazed and marveled saying one to another behold are not all these which speak Galileans and how here we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born now they didn't have tools today to learn languages on the spot or translators like we have today to translate for them, the 120 I'm talking about, did they? These were languages or dialects never taught to them. They spoke as the Spirit gave them utterance. It's the Spirit speaking through them. It was a miracle. They could be heard from the windows and the balconies, of the temple courts. Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans, which speaks more so to the miraculous nature of it all and how they are not educated men whatsoever, fishermen, fishermen, farmers, and the like. And then we go on to our passage. So you needed to hear that again. It's been a couple of weeks. And so in verses 14 and 15, I'll reiterate. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, especially those of you that, that are here and live here, be this known unto you. And hearken to my words. He is imploring them to listen carefully. Just as you would listen to someone important and that's not Peter for these are not drunken as you suppose seeing it is but the third hour of the day Peter starts with a rebuttal or rebuke of the charge of drunkenness you know I, I've seen this before where there are those who charge the, the elders of, of, of a church with drunkenness how dare they how dare they without knowing The facts. The charge was made in jest. That is, the charge of of, of Peter. Or I should say, the charge of the Jews against the disciples. Perhaps. More than likely, though. You know, uh, people will use jest in order to put down their adversaries and not look bad doing it. But the purpose is still the same, to tear down their credibility. And yet, Peter comes back with good humor in dismissing it all. Too early in the morning. We haven't even had our breakfast yet. (laughs) But this leads to a more serious rebuttal against their unbelief. Verse 16. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. I have... Joel's actual prophecy in front of me, and it's almost word for word verbatim, except he leaves out a last part of the last verse. It's in Joel 2, 28-32, which we're not going to read because it's all here, except for the last uh, segment or phrase of the last verse, in which he's going to take that up later on in his sermon at the end. (coughs) And then... In 17 and 18 and it shall come to pass in the last days saith God I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams and on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy and that's what happened there were All kinds of people of all ages, both male and female, that were speaking the word of the Lord by the Holy Spirit. Now, they weren't recorded in Scripture, per se, at least the vast majority of of them. The words of of the apostles, yes, and of some of the disciples, indeed. But nevertheless, they were prophesying, meaning teaching God's word, and also prophesying in that futuristic sense of what is yet to come what is to happen the last days as spoken about here by Peter and it shall come to pass in the last days started with Jesus first appearance on earth and it is culminated by his second coming so it's all the events inclusive of his first and second coming although it's not all unveiled immediately Signs of Christ's first summing, coming. According to Luke, the signs of the last days is the coming of the Spirit. The fulfillment of Joel's prophecy of the coming of the Holy Spirit. Notice it's upon all flesh, it's going to extend to the uttermost parts of the earth. It will be worldwide missions at its inception. The effect of the Spirit's outpouring the gift of prophecy. Again, the word prophecy means at least two things: foretelling the future and foretelling what's already stated and written and spoken by God. It's like etched in stone, as it were, in the annals of Scripture. Also exercise in visions and dreams and words of prophecy, as we've noted already. Visions, dreams, and prophecies would continue until the canonization of Scripture, until the Scriptures were completed, and then no more. No more. That's what Scripture unequivocally teaches. And we can take that up another time. Ephesians 2.20 would be an example. 1 Corinthians 13 would be another but in the book of Acts, these modes of revelation continued in the early church until the 66 books we believe there are 66 we have no reason to deny it after how many thousands of years, two uh, that were canonized by the church, God's people confirmed in covenant with God. Could this also be the fulfillment of another prophecy of, of Moses when he said the following and you can look this up in Numbers eleven twenty-nine. 29 I want you to this up with me a very uplifting scripture to us all who know and love the Lord and that is in Numbers eleven twenty nine, 29 in which Moses in rebuttal to Joshua Joshua was saying you better not do this you're not called to office in other words if you've not been ordained the office of minister or teaching elder as we would say also in uh, Presbyterian parlance or to preach the gospel then you better not well Moses said unto him envious thou for my sake are you are you saying this to protect me Joshua would God that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put His Spirit upon them. This He began to do at Pentecost. Let me continue on in uh, Acts 2, 19-21. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God will use whatever means He chooses to bring His elect into His kingdom. Sometimes He uses the fear tactic. Yes, it works. (laughs) When you know that the world is coming to an end, and you are one of God's sheep, and you speaking, you hear his voice. And he knows you, and you follow him, and he gives it to you, too. <laughs> Little more than seven weeks earlier, the people of Jerusalem saw the darkening of the sun during the early afternoon on Good Friday. Later that same day, the paschal full moon that came out rose in blood red color in the sky. Let me read you from Luke 23. It doesn't bring out all these uh, details, but it, it, it will suffice. It says in Luke 23, uh, 44 and 45, and it was about the sixth hour, and there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst, from top to bottom, as we have in the past noted. And that is to show how God is open, open heaven people, that there's no longer a veil separating it, because the veil represents the body of Christ which was rent by our sins and forever opening to us the Lord. There is also a for, there is also a forecast implicit in this of the second coming. He speaks, that is Peter, of blood. And in Revelation 6:8 it reads, And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth. I'm not a dispensationalist, so I'm not predicting anything. I'm not connecting the dots of what's happening in current events with what's happening, with what is stated in scripture. But perhaps there is at least the need for us to be open to what God may be doing in the world in fulfillment of His plan of redemption of His Holy Scriptures. In Revelation 8-7, it goes on, it says there, the first angel sounded, you know, there were seven angels, right? And so this is one of the angels of judgment. The first angel sounded and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth and the third part of trees were burnt up, and all the green grass was burnt up. Fire, Revelation 8, 5. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar. Referring to the altar of God. Remember, there's a temple up there. As there's a temple, as there was a temple down here. And there was an altar up there just as there was an altar down here. And so it says, And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And smoke, Revelation 9-2 reads, And he opened the bottomless pit. I'm sorry, that's uh, 19-2. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. So there will be smoke issuing from the lake of fire in that last day. In the book of Matthew 24, 29, 30, we, we see already in the words of our Lord that those signs of his second coming and so turn to it I'm going to do so immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken and then shall appear the sign of the son of man in heaven and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And one more verse. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to another. I needed to include that because I wanted to give us hope. (laughs) Because if it's all doom and gloom for all of us. And I'm saying especially to y'all and to myself. Then... That's not good, because it's not the whole story. Now, if you hear a trumpet, a great trumpet, then I'd say, get ready. (laughs) Don't waste any more time. (laughs) What is the spiritual commentary of this all? Well, sin has made an awful shambles of this world, of God's moral order. And we're seeing that left and right In fact, there's no hiding in the closet as it were anymore on the part of those who would call evil good and good evil. This is, once again, a condition that will be remedied, but in the meantime, it is what it is. Judgment will come on this world. Christ will return and, and He will judge the world in righteousness. It says that God will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom He has ordained. And that he hath raised them from the dead. And, house, and, and, and judgment will begin on the household of God. It says in Zephaniah the great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hasteneth greatly, even the voice of the day of the Lord. The mighty man shall cry there bitterly. And also in that chapter, verse 18 neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord, of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he shall make even a speedy riddance of all them that dwell on the land. Does God kill people? Of course. He is the one who gives life and he is the one who takes it away. He has appointed our birth, and it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. The heart before God's law was written on tables of stone for men's eyes to read, as it were. And now and hereafter, the law would be written on fleshly tables of the heart in order that we may respond by faith to the Lord. God seeks to lay hold of men's hearts of men's minds of men's wills of men's souls and win them in love to himself this is what our God is about God is about the salvation of souls the Holy Spirit the Spirit empowers the servants to prophesy that means to teach teaching is the authority and the weapon of the church, if you will. It's the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, that is welded by those who by faith and with boldness go out and preach the gospel of salvation. And I'm not talking about myself, I'm talking about all of God's people throughout history and to this present time. The Holy Spirit will come down like rain, it says in the Bible, and not selectively, as he has done in the past, as he did in the anointing of the prophets and the kings, such as Saul, for example, as it is spoken about uh, the Spirit of God being upon him and how he was anointed as king by the Holy Spirit through the prophet Samuel. And, he will, and, and so he will come upon the whole earth, on all peoples. And the first thing the Holy Spirit will do is to turn his people from sin. Our Lord spoke about that. He says, It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I do not go away, the comforter shall not come. But if I depart, I will send him to you, I and the Father. And when he has come, I will reprove the world of, what? Sin. Add righteousness and judgment to come. Of sin, because they believe not in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. He is already judged and condemned. Satan. He is on his way out. He is on his way down. <coughs> He's like, for example, the Japanese. Uh, uh, I, I use this as an illustration of, uh, of, of Satan. Not that the Japanese are Satan, but in World War II, when, when the war was ended, when there was a signing of, of, of a peace pact by the Allied forces and Japan that ended the Pacific theater war, uh, part of the war. There were still Japanese out there on the, on the, uh, uh, on the Pacific, throughout all the Pacific, even in the Philippines, in hiding, thinking that the war was still going on. That's like Satan. Satan is like them, thinking that thinking, as it were that the war is still going on, it's, it's, it's already been won. It was won at the cross and it was won at the empty tomb. And it was one for his people. Praise God. And the Holy Spirit will point us to Christ. Kind of getting ahead of myself here, but nevertheless, let me have us turn to uh, John 1526 this time. John fifteen twenty six reads. But when the comforter is come, notice that name that is given to the Holy Spirit, the comforter. Very significant because that is who he is to us. Whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me and he shall bear witness, and ye shall also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So he is going to testify of Christ. He is going to point men to Christ outside of themselves, to another, even to God's only begotten Son in whom He is well pleased. the one in whom we are accepted, even in the blood, Jesus Christ. And finally, the Holy Spirit will bring you life. It says in 1 Corinthians 12 this, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed." If people are cursing Jesus' name, turn off the TV. Don't keep... Try to wait for it to finish and then turn it off. Like, ah, I can't stop this TV show or this movie in midstream. It's going to kill me. I'm going to think about it all night. You know what? You better turn it off. You know why? Because they just slander the name of your Lord. <coughs> Take <Can't go on. laughs> note. And I'm. I have to do the same. I have to do the same. And that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Spirit. So if you're calling Jesus your Lord, if you've asked Christ into your life, if you receive Christ and have found eternal life, it is because of Him, of the Holy Spirit. Don't believe every spirit, because not all spirits are of God. There are many false prophets that have gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God, John says elsewhere. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus... Is come in the flesh, is of God. Only those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Are you looking for Messiah still? In other words, Christ. You know, there isn't any other. In fact, in closing, let me have us turn to Isaiah 45, 21 and 22. Isaiah 45, 21 and 22. Words of hope. <clears throat> Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time. Who hath told it from that time. Have that I the Lord and there is no God else beside me. A just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. I'm it. I'm everything. I'm your all in all. Look unto me and got to get that right look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth for I am God and there is none else I recall the story of Spurgeon and how that wintry I like to think it's rainy night that's how I think of uh, the British Isles my uh, brother-in-law and his family came from Great Britain just a couple weeks ago so that's why it comes to my mind also uh, I like to think of, uh, of that incident of Spurgeon's conversion experience. You know how he's converted? He was converted by the deacon because the pastor didn't show up. The deacon took over and he began to preach and all he could say was, look unto me and be saved. All the ends of the earth, look unto me and be saved. Look unto me and be saved. That's all that Spurgeon heard. That's all that Spurgeon heard. But that was enough. He called upon the Lord and was saved. And from that very day on, he served the Lord faithfully until his calling to be with the Lord in glory. Will you and I be that way? Will we? Let me read one thing, and this is a quote by Matthew Henry. For as our Messiah ever lives in heaven, reigning and interceding for his church on earth, So, this spirit of grace, the advocate or comforter that was given now, according to the promise, will, according to the same promise, continue with the church on earth to the end and will work all its works in it and for it and every member of it, ordinary and extraordinary, by means of the scriptures and the ministry. And the ordinary are those like y'all who are members, who are in the office of believer. And us all who are in the office of pastor and elder and deacon. This is that which is spoken by the prophet Job. And now spoken by Peter. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this introduction to the sermon of Peter a sermon that stands out in the annals of church history and will until the very end, I'm sure, that showed the conversion experience of this man of God who at one time was shivering in his boots, who was running away in fear for his life, who was hiding like the others except for, uh, for John and the, and, the, and the women disciples out of fear of his life whom, Lord, you said in prophecy, Simon, Simon, when you are converted, go and strengthen your brethren. And Lord, converted he was and no longer feared the faces of men and preached with such firmness and, and verity and boldness and power that no one can stand before the word of God. Oh God, give such preaching to your church once again in our day, that we may see a revival as as was experienced by uh, the early church, by the first disciples of the Lord there at Jerusalem on Pentecost. In Jesus' name, amen.